You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can also find me on Twitter at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast is presented by our good friends over at Sportbuff, where if you use the promo code FLIGHTDECK-10 at checkout, you will save 10% off your entire order. Head on over to www.sportbuffshop.com for all your sporting good needs. And trust me, folks, you're going to want to take advantage of this. And we are on many places on the internet. Uh, if you head over to alouettesflightdeck.ca, you can check out our entire archive of shows heading all the way back seven, almost seven years. Twitter, you can find us over at alouettesfldeck. Instagram, you can find us at uh, uh, instagram.com slash alouettesflightdeck. Facebook.com slash pod. Our merchandise can be found over at uh, teespring.com slash stores slash alouettesflightdeck. And lastly, youtube.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck. And obviously to thank you, we will be doing the uh, doing the draw within the next couple of episodes uh, to give away that brand new Delta jacket. Uh, Cliff and I have been rocking it for the past couple of years. We love it and we hope that you do too. Whichever one of you is so lucky enough to win that brand new jacket. Well, it's not the ending we had hoped to do, to have. Um... <laughs> But either way, no. it, it was a fun experience to to do, you know, to head to, to Toronto. You know, dude, it's, that's only the second time I've actually attended an Alouettes game in Toronto. Really? Yeah. yeah. And my first okay. one at BMO. So we got a lot. We have a lot to talk about, obviously, besides the, the game itself. But um, yeah, it's only my second game. And my last game, God, it was forever ago. And it, the Owls got schlacked <laughs> over at Skydome. They got their butts kicked. And I remember leaving the arena. I was with my wife and leaving the arena. I had my, I, I think I had a jacket on at the time. I was wearing uh, one of my uh, game worn jerseys and a, a Toronto Argonauts fan noticed it and you know, said, let's see your jacket. You know, see what, what are you wearing under there? I showed him, you know, and I took the ribbing, you know, cause we, you know, we got our asses handed to us. So, um, some, some days you're the hammer, some days you're the nail. That's right. Um, before we talk about, uh, you know, obviously this disappointing loss uh, at the hands of the Toronto Argonauts, uh, you know, the uh, in the Eastern Final for the first time in quite a while. Um, let's talk about BMO. Uh, for these of you who have not been to BMO before, it was my very first time being to BMO. Um, but the trip itself was fun, dude. I mean, I think you you had made mention that we we make the trip. We did. Got great seats. Oh my lord. First, first we have to. The seats are just absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, StubHub does great things when you look at the right time. I will be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. But all in all, I think you know. I think I said to you in stadium is that BMO is is a very unique stadium, uh, but it's not your typical stadium at all. I mean, it really is made for soccer. Let's just be honest. It, it's made for soccer. Um, it's not concrete it's steel and metal and you know there's hardly any concrete in this place you know it's not like what you think for regina or what you think for for winnipeg or, or for Percival molson you know that those type of things um mm-hmm. but this this place is perfectly made for football because our seats uh, and there, there really is no place in this stadium where a bad seat is available yeah the sight lines are pretty great as, as you said just about anywhere uh i mean Comfortable too. I mean, like they are actual seats, not like a personal Molson where it's uh, aluminum benches on top of concrete, mm-hmm. as we talked about, which has a charm all of its own. But uh, I mean, there is there's something to be said about sitting in an actual seat, and BMO definitely does provide that. Uh, you're right; it was definitely built primarily for soccer. Even though at the time of the build, they did say it was going to be a multiple use stadium. Mm-hmm. But I mean, all, all all things being equal, it was built primarily with uh, Toronto FC in mind, and the Argos were kind of an afterthought. It was one of those things like, well, sure, if they ever want to come and play, if they're not happy with this guy, I guess they could come play here. Probably thinking, well, that'll never happen, but lo and behold, uh, yeah, 
they, yep. they, they, they arrived and uh, I know a lot of uh, soccer fans are always concerned that their precious pitch is going to get torn up by all the cleats in football. And yeah, that does happen. In fact, one of the best jokes I've ever heard regarding BMO Field was uh, the halftime entertainment is going to be outstanding. It's people replacing all the divots that have been left on the field. <laughs> I even saw. And them. sure enough, I thought it was a joke, but sure enough, at halftime, I was looking, and lo and behold, there's a whole bunch of people there with tools and whatnot, just kind of you know trying to just fix up the field as best they could. I'm like. Man, this is real. This is really real. You know, it's funny. I was just about to, they're just about to mention that exact same thing. That exact same thing. And what's noticeable is, and I don't know if you see it in any of the, any of the other fields. Like, is this the way the type of grass is there and stuff like that? Is that they brought up those mats where the players could could uh, scrape off their cleats? Yep. And, and to be honest with you, I, I don't know if if it was because of the rain that we had. Maybe it was a little slick. Maybe it was a little soft. But I think it may it, it played. It really didn't play that big a factor, but in a couple of the thing, a couple of the of the plays that I saw during the game on Sunday, it the turf made it, it the turf reared its head. It really did. It, sh- it, it did. Yeah, there was a, a, quite a few times where guys were just slipping, and like just when you thought someone was going to break out at an outstanding play, whoops, they end up uh, flat on their ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you know, uh, we, I really, I think I, I attended my first. Uh, non Alouettes CFL um, tailgate. That was fun. I met a lot of people. Um, you know, for those of you that I met, you know, it was great meeting you guys. I know there are a lot of people there that I didn't. I'm, I'm a very quiet guy, as you know, Cliff, in person. I can be. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's, I'm just really just there to, you know, I'll, I'll just take everything in and stuff like that. But, you know, it was, it was great to meet a lot of the people that were, were there. And it does show, you know, even though from what people see on TV, the uh, the Argos do have some very dedicated fans. They really, really do. And it's true. It's true. Yeah. They and you know, it's, people like giving them the gears because they don't have the best attendance, and people will have to wonder, like, do fans even really truly care? Like, how in a city of like what eight million people in Toronto, how how come they can't even get twenty thousand into a stadium on a consistent basis? And okay, that's a fair comment in a lot of respects, but uh, the, the Argo fans that were there. You could tell they're dedicated. They love their team. Uh, they bleed double blue. There's no question about that. And you could tell that they really were looking forward to a great game. They wanted to create that atmosphere in hopes and probably expecting a whole bunch of what I'd call casual fans. They were just probably taking their first game for the first time, seeing the tickets were not terribly expensive in hopes of trying to fill the stadium as much as possible. And like, hey, if we provide that great atmosphere that everybody expects out of a football game and from a football team, Maybe they'll come back. Maybe they will make that choice. Like, hey, this was a lot of fun. I remember going to that game back in November. That was a blast. And the Argos won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll go check out a regular season game. Or, heck, I may even buy season tickets if they're not that expensive. And sure enough, I, I think uh, credit to the Argos fan base. They they did a great job with the tailgate. And I have to believe like a lot of first-time fans that were there at BMO Field for the first time probably – are probably looking forward to June of 2023 to be able to say, hey, yeah, I, I, I had a blast at BMO last year. I, I want to go. I'll go check out a game for sure. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I mean, the sight lines are perfect. Uh, I, it's funny. The TSN and RDS broadcast really centered when positive things happened. They really centered on Owls fans. And um, uh, we got on TV again. Third time this year. <laughs> third time this year we've been on, on a TSN broadcast. I know we showed up a little bit more on the RDS broadcast from what I'm understanding. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, let me ask you one question, though, Cliff. I mean, I, all the positives about this. I mean, uh, the sight lines I felt were perfect. I mean, the, obviously the game it, it itself. I mean, the game was was exciting. You know, with the Owls being being able to, uh, they came close to coming back from that nineteen point deficit. Um, do you think FOMO was created for this game? Because the announced attendance of twenty one thousand. Yeah, no. <laughs> not the way that they were making this sound because we met up with uh, what's the gentleman's name again the the argos pa announcer uh adam goss i don't know if it's goss or gossy if adam if i'm screwing up your name i apologize but i'm pretty sure it's adam goss yeah and, and he was saying that they're expecting about twenty one thousand. which which funny as funny as it sounds that's exactly what they announced later on by the way because it wasn't announced at first but do you think do you think FOMO was created for this game? Because, as I said, I mean, yes, I understand it's the type of game you want it to create as much hype as possible. But I, the the to me, the butts in stands did not equate the a level of FOMO that was created. 
I think that's uh, I think that's a good way of putting it. I mean, yeah, I uh, I saw yeah they announced that it intends to twenty one thousand, and I, I think that's a very generous number. And it could very well be that's how many tickets were either sold or given away, but actual butts and seats. I would say closer to 17, which again is still not terrible, but at the same time, this is like a semifinal game. Like, this is your team has the opportunity to go to the championship game. Like, this is when like real fans are expected to show up and show out and, and represent. And again, the diehards were there without question, and they were certainly loud. And they certainly created a great atmosphere, but. This again does beg the question: Like, well, how 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 can you not sell out this? Like, of all the games for Toronto to sell out this year, how could it not be the Eastern Final? Like, your team has a chance to go to the Great Cup, and you know, what? Why aren't you there? Like, if you're a football fan, why aren't you at BMO Field? You know, Sunday afternoon watching the Argos play. Yeah. And again, I, I know a lot of people will have their reasons. Like I know some people, whether it's due to health concerns with COVID still, or just. Getting, you know, maybe getting maybe out, people. getting out there. I mean, I, okay. From where we were staying, you know, we looked it up uh, for on the Go Train app, and uh, it just didn't make any sense. It was so back assed as I mentioned on social media, mm. that it was like you have to take the train to go to back to Central State uh, Union Station and then grab a bus. It didn't make any sense because when we were there, when we were leaving, people were going up there to grab the Go Train to leave. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a matter of fact of where we were where we stayed, but we, we, we still came out, came out like gangbusters anyways, you know, by where we were able to park and how close we were to the stadium. So, Mm -hmm. but you know, and, 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 and (laughs) leaving the place, you would think that there would be an entrance directly onto the highway. One would think. No, no. When you plugged in where we were located for parking, maybe it was different. Maybe it was different if we were parking in the parking lot, maybe, but still, but still, the way it sent us, it was stupid. Didn't we spend another hour, 45 minutes or whatever it was, just trying to get onto the highway? Easily, easily. <laughs> and it's just like crawling through the city. Like, like almost like that, that it almost felt like the walk of shame. Like, okay, <laughs> bye-bye, Alouettes fans, losers, go home. Like, we are, please let us leave. <laughs> we yeah. just want to go home at this point. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's funny, it's funny you say that. What, what was the comment from the from the little child? And it's funny, the mother apologized. She goes, um, oh, oh, it was something like, we beat your team today. And I was like, I go, I couldn't say, it said, that's true. And the, you know, the mom apologizes. It was like, well, he's very passionate. I go, that's fine. That You won. Hey. <laughs> so today, that was true. That's it. Like, I said, a couple of the Argos fans that uh, I've already, I already knew through social media was able to, it was nice to be able to congratulate them in person. Like, you know, there was, there was, there was no like rivalry. There was no, you know, discord or anything like that. It was just a matter of, like, you know, a little friendly banter here and there. And I'm okay with that. But, you know, it, it was nice to be able to say, you know what? The better team won. Congratulations. Y'all deserved it. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. And, you know, it, that's to me, that's that's what it's all about, especially watching the Canadian Football League is, yeah, you got your, like, I mean, maybe it's because Montreal, Toronto isn't quite the rivalry, like, say, Toronto, Hamilton, for example. Maybe you wouldn't quite get that same. Re, you know, respect or camaraderie. It, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm not having not lived in either of those cities and followed those teams extensively, I, I really can't say. I can only speculate. But, uh, you know, like to me, I was like, okay, listen, you know, it's a bummer. Yeah, it would have been great if the Alouettes could have won and gone to the Great Cup. But, you know, it is what it is. Toronto was the better team and they they earned their opportunity. They they played better. They, they did the things that they were supposed to do. And they're going to Regina. And, you know, kudos to them and kudos to their fans. Like they, you know, obviously they, they haven't gone without a championship as long as what Montreal has. But uh, still at the same time, it's always exciting when you show up and your team does well and goes to the championship. Yeah. You can't ask for more than that. As a fan, you cannot ask for more than that from your team. And I mean, as far as Alouette's fans go, I mean, like, we, we, I think Alouettes fans prove that they travel pretty well. They can make noise, obviously. They support their team through and through. And I, I hope the players looked at that and realized, like, hey, you know, I, I, I sincerely hope that they gave everything that they had as well to the to the cause. And even though it was a losing effort, I hope they can look back and say, well, you know, we did everything we could, and you know, we appreciate the fans that showed up and supported us, not not just from day one, but even all the way up to this, the end of this ride. Exactly. Uh, that is right, my friend. Um, yeah. Uh, the Alouettes 
lose the Eastern Final, 34-27 to the Toronto Argonauts. Is the Alouettes' first Eastern Final appearance since 2014, uh, where they played uh, the Hamil- at the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, it was, you know what, it, you know, we talked about turf, I know we talked about it, but there are many things, you know, besides the game itself that we were able to see being so close to the players' bench and stuff like that. Um, you know, first props to the Owls fans that did travel to the to the game itself because you you made, you know, thanks to the Owls for offering the tickets too, uh, this, you know, getting the section together because um, you, you know, it made, I think, the experience a lot better for us as Alouettes fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be able to sit, because uh, it's always one of the things, it's safety numbers, right? Like, you it's one thing to go to a stadium by yourself or, you know, two people, and then you're surrounded by the opposing fans. And even though, yeah, the CFL doesn't get overtly violent or anything like that. I mean, like I said, a little bit of jaw jacking, a bit of chirping will happen from time. And, you know, most people can handle that. But, you know, the fact that they they were able to have like a pretty much a whole a whole section full of Alouettes fans was great. Like, I mean, yeah. hats off to the organization for making that happen, like reserving that block of tickets for fans to buy. And that's the thing. It was one of those things where if you build it, they will come or if you sell them, they will buy, I guess would be the way to put it. And yeah, it was great that Alouette's fans, uh, they found a way to get down there. I know that uh, uh, the, the family of Marc-Antoine Decois had organized a bus trip because the Alouette's themselves didn't organize a bus or a train. Oh, that's who it was. Okay, I, I'm glad you said that because I did not know who had, uh, which player had uh, had got that together. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it was uh, Decois' family who had uh, apparently organized that trip, uh, you know, I, I think I think it was just the one bus, but they they managed to rent a bus uh, to go to uh, go down to Toronto overnight and uh, head to the game. So I mean, at least fans were you know anyone who wanted to get to Toronto but couldn't for you know if they don't drive or you know you know flying too expensive for any number of reasons. I mean, because also too like there weren't really a lot of like trains or you know buses that were very conducive to being able to arrive in Toronto early enough. So if you didn't have a car, then you basically were out of luck if you wanted to go, especially if you wanted to go the day of, because a lot of fans did that as well. Like a lot of Alouettes fans got up at like five o'clock in the oh, morning. God, I know. And booted it down to Toronto. So, I mean, props to them for doing that too. I mean, that's that that's a, a long drive to do, you know, day of, and then to drive all the way back. I mean, like I admit, we, we, you and I were like, okay, you know, that's that's too taxing. That's that's a little too much. Let's, you know, we'll we'll, we'll go the day before, stay overnight, and then we'll go to the game and then make our way home. Exactly. Think, yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I agree. It's like us, you and I, trying going to Atlantic City, you know, just a couple of years ago for arena football. There's no way in hell we, <laughs> there was no way we were we were doing. This is the type of thing that you can't, you can't. I'm sorry. I understand. Yeah, you, it's it's feasible, but I think to enjoy it, I'm glad you know we 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 stayed, and I'm glad we did. Yeah, maybe we're just getting older, but <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. like yes, we like, are. That's, <laughs> like, yeah, hey, yes, we nobody are. got time for that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, by the way, shout out to Antoine uh, from the Alouettes who we saw in the crowd. Also to Corey from the uh, the Owls Boutique, uh, their manager there. He was there too. He sat he sat next to us for a, uh, for a little while. It was great seeing, seeing the guys there to represent the organization beyond um, beyond the players and and all the execs who were on the field and stuff. Like that. You know, we saw Mario on the field, et cetera, and, and Joe Alfieri and stuff. Uh, but we're getting away from the game here. I apologize. I digress. Um, yeah, it didn't start off very well for the Alouettes at all. I mean, dude, we were down we were down twenty one to three, and it really did not look good. Um, and, and it's and it's not just be, it's not really because of uh, of mistakes that the Alouettes were making because there there weren't there was one there really weren't there weren't any interceptions there weren't any fumbles you know but yeah I mean I just twenty to three or twenty one to three excuse me twenty was it twenty two. It shouldn't have been 22 because we got a, they got a single too. So wasn't it 22? Or am I losing my mind here, dude? Uh, no, they're uh, on the single, or did they, they, or did they not get it? It was not. It was not a. Oh, they didn't go through the end zone. That's correct. Okay. All okay. Right. Yep. So either way, being down 21 to three, you and I were just wondering what the hell was going on with this team. Yep, because it seemed like every drive Toronto had, they scored a touchdown, whereas Montreal. All they could manage for the longest while was just one field goal, and you're not going to beat the Sargos team with field goals only. Like you gotta, you gotta find a way to get to the end zone. And true to form, I mean, like the Alouettes, the first half of the game, usually they, you know, take a little time finding themselves and trying to, you know, gauge their opponent to try and, you know, figure out how to adapt to them. And usually they do figure it out. 
more often than not. But still, I mean, like the defense just was not clicking. It was not working. Like they they couldn't get any pressure on McLeod Bethel Thompson, and he was just making plays happen left, right, and center. I mean, uh, there was just no answer for him. Like literally, no answer for this guy. Yeah. No, no, there wasn't. I mean, and on top, you know, and, and, you know, not only at the time where the offense wasn't clicking at the time, it just seemed that from what we saw last week versus Hamilton and how much we dominated the, you know, the O-line, as you say, we couldn't get to Macbeth at all, couldn't get any sacks. It's just that the defense, the defense was not, it it wasn't what it was last week. And that was the problem. It's just the defense in the first half just seemed to be non-existent. And what more, what, anything more that could, could explain that would be the total breakdown on that Chad Kelly, uh, you know, the 46 yard touchdown on a second and one, there was not a Alouette's defender in the area code. No, I mean, this was far beyond, they, they were caught with their pants down big time. I, and l- like I think everybody was really, but I mean, like holy crap! I mean, for Devaris Daniels to like be perfectly still, like to not tip them off at all, like they had literally no idea he was going to go off like that. And for Chad Kelly, I mean, that the cojones to be mm-hmm. able to to do that. Now maybe it's because it was second and one, and you're like, oh, what the hell? Let's you know, let's try it, see what happens. It's, it's just one of those BS plays at times. You're just like, they had no right making a play like that, but they. It's only crazy if it doesn't work, right? And mm-hmm. sure enough, yeah, they, the, you can't even say blown coverage because, I mean, they didn't know. Yeah. I mean, there, there was absolutely no indication that DeVar Daniels was just going to saunter off like that. And, and he was on an island. He was all by himself. Like, okay. And he, he just strolled into the end zone at that point. Like, mm-hmm. wow. You, you can't even be mad at that point. You're like, oh, my God. God, yeah, just, it was like what else? Wow. Could, what else could go wrong? And by the way, I was wrong. There was one which I'd forgotten. There was that one fumble by the Alouettes, which uh, you know, obviously Toronto kept. Uh, they could, even though there was a, uh, a penalty for pass beyond the line of scrimmage. So um, I mean, that, yeah, just like I said, just a not not the best move at that point. I mean, not not the not the play I would have called. But it, you know, listen, you you at that point you're you're throwing stuff out there. You got to. Try to see if you can make something happen, and yeah, that I think I think if you go back, I think Trevor Harris would have loved to have had that pass back oh, all I, day long. Oh, I think so too. Now, speaking of Trevor Harris, you know that's where the Alouette, you know, just soon, the Alouettes actually started to get things going finally, and they really did make. I mean, they made it a, a fantastic effort, a fantastic effort to get back into this game. And this is one of the things I was telling you about before about things that you could see that you normally wouldn't be able to see where we usually sit over at Personal Molson. Mm-hmm. You know, so. First, you know, the the phenomenal catch and touchdown by Tyson Philpott, d- uh, upcoming star, and he's just a rookie, just a rookie. And, you know, it just sucks that who he's going up against this week, you know, for the uh, for the CFL uh, awards. It's just tough that he's going up against somebody who most likely who was better than him this year in uh, in shown for Winnipeg. But man, that touchdown some of the stuff that Philpot did in that game were very Geno-esque, very Geno-esque. 50-50 balls, just going balls to the wall out. And one of the things that I had noticed after that first touchdown, I think it was after the first touchdown, where you saw Trevor Harris come over. And you just think he's just sauntering over during, you know, during what he's doing after after game itself. You actually saw him make a specific motion to the fans doing the downwards thing like calm down don't don't get don't get war you know riled up things will get better they did they did and i think that that impressed me for trevor showing that he's not only there to play for the alouettes but he's also there he was playing for the fans that were there to support them and it really impressed me I mean, it's possible that, you know, we've seen that VA did the same thing in years past uh, that, uh, you know, Schiltz did in in years past. I don't know. I I can't remember off the top of my head. But this thing, because we were so close, being able to see this, the Owls got back into this game, didn't they? They did. And, yeah, I mean, that's what you – that's what we were promised when we we required uh, Trevor Harris was we were promised veteran leadership. Like this is a guy who has been there and done that by and large. I mean, he, he still hasn't won the big game by himself, but uh, I mean, he's been to champ. He's been to great cup championships. He's won great cup championships. Mm-hmm. He, he, so he knows what it takes to win. And 
it, it, just something simple like that kind of shows that, okay, yes, having an exciting hotshot quarterback is great and has, has its value, but at times, sometimes you just need that steady veteran hand that will just say, listen, trust the process. We've got this. We mm-hmm. will get this figured out. Mm-hmm. And that's what Trevor was able to do. And once again, I mean, decent stats for sure. Uh, Very decent. He, I think if there was a stat, his total stats, which we'll, I'll talk about in a minute, there was something that was mentioned, I think, on the TSN broadcast that Trevor ranks number one in the CFL playoffs when it comes to yards, uh, passing yards per game. Uh, I think the minimum of five starts, and he's well over 350 yards. I mean, that is that is impressive. I mean, once again, like he didn't panic. Uh, there were times where I, I really felt, if anything else, this O-line of ours kind of hung him out the dry mm-hmm. like there was there's times he just couldn't get he couldn't make anything happen yeah. and even though there were only three sacks that's what's funny about it there were only three sacks but i totally agree with you yeah like there's a lot of times where the pocket was just collapsing around him and to his credit he was able to get out and even if it was, even if it was an incomplete pass at least you're not taking the sack or just making a poor decision i think that's really what it came down to was he, he was very calculating with a lot of his throws it, mm-hmm. nothing was errant there was no like he's not the gunslinger type and that's fine i i think in this case slow and steady could have won the race the problem is they just ran out of racetrack that's really what it came down to i mean and, yeah, and being down 18 early really didn't help but again like that's the thing like you can score all the points you want but if the other team is scoring more points than you then that's a problem and that's something that you can't blame on the you know you can't blame trevor harris for the argos scoring more points i mean i hate to say it i mean it really was the defense that cost this game for the Alouettes. Uh, oh, I agree. By the way, I mentioned it, and I didn't give a chance to respond. What about Phil Pot and how he played? My God, we are so lucky. We are so lucky to have a Tyson Phil Pot on this roster. Rookie Tyson Phil Pot. The, the, and we talked about this before. We talked about it during the interview with him. It's like, this is scary. Like, we, we see the talent that's there, and he's just getting started. This is year one of this kid. Can you imagine what he's going to be like in year four, year five mm-hmm. in this organization? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. I mean, wow. I mean, yeah. just wow. Give him the he, chance. Give him the right quarterback. Give him the right uh, teammates. Yeah, dude. We could, oh, we t- keep talking about the, the, you know, the two or three headed monster when it comes to running backs. Think of what it could be like, dude, where you have, and I'm not, this is no slight on any of our wide receivers, by the way. But in the future, going in the future, let's say if it is a Geno, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're grizzled veteran. And then you have that have, you know, Tyson Philpott just coming yeah. up, coming up the ranks along with him and just making a, a one, a giant one, two punch. Big time. I mean, like you just talk about a straight up playmaker. That's what he is. 100%. And my God, and it still blows my mind. Like just getting started. Like this, he is just getting, like we haven't even scratched the surface yet. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible. Uh, and just his poise, everything about Tyson is excellent. I mean, just what he, what, how he carries himself, how he prepares for the game and just what he brings on every play. I mean, these are, these are things that cannot be taught. You either have it or you don't. Yeah. And Tyson Philpot has it in spades. Yeah. And I am so thankful that he's a part of this team and God willing, He's going to be a part of this team for a long time, even though, like, just as as a thought, as just an aside. Yeah, I am with every passing game. I'm seeing more and more Philpot jerseys in the stands. <laughs> I I mean, listen, I mean, hmm. you know, Gino's Gino's the man. There's no question about that. Makes me wonder if the, if the option is out there to have the jersey at the locker room sale. Hmm. I don't know. I I don't know, but got to get there early. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you, folks. I mean, like, I mean, if football players were stocks, you'd want to buy in on Tyson Philpott while while you still can. While you get in on the ground floor, because this kid is going places, and God willing, he, he's going to take the Alouettes. Yeah, yeah. Um, to the promised land. We had talked about the potential of a, of the you know the the two headed or three headed monster when it came to running backs for this game it really didn't materialize you know other than that, i mean by the way seeing this the william standback that we've been hoping to see all season it was nice to see him finally break out because the o line just did an amazing job blocking on his touchdown run and well deserved for this guy to have this to get this touchdown you know in the eastern final well deserved but 
as we said before, as I was saying before, the running game really didn't materialize. You know, we, you know, Walter Fletcher really was a non-factor for this game. And I mean, yes, you know, Sandbeck did have 84 total yards, but he had 52 on that one touchdown run. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it. I don't know if it goes back to, you know, uh, did the Argos look at, um, did they look at the the film from the, from the Hamilton game last year? I, I don't know. You know, it, it makes you wonder that if, this two-head monster had been able to get going a little bit more. Maybe we'd have been able to, to, you know, to tie this game up, which I know we did have a chance to do. But, but still, you know, thinking that we were going to have this this uh, presence and this one-two punch, it just, as I said, just really didn't materialize. It really didn't, and it's it's funny. Like as far as uh, like I think about the turf, for example, like there was a lot of times too where I yeah. thought Stanback was going to just go off, and then just unfortunately slipped and. Toronto was able to get on top of him right away. Which he did, yeah. Do which, any which he did do once. Yeah, you're right. There was a few instances where he just like you just he just got bottlenecked by the uh, defensive line for Toronto and Fletcher too. Unfortunately, like it sucks because yeah, I was really expecting a lot more out of those guys, and I'm, I'm sure it wasn't for lack of effort. And on the flip side, you look at Andrew Harris and AJ Ouellette. They posted some pretty. They were decent numbers. I mean, they, they, they were oh, oh, they were okay. Numbers. They were okay I mean, numbers. Yeah, they were okay numbers. It's true. It's true. I, I mean, I mean, Andrew Harris, you would have expected to go off, especially when, when it was announced that he was going to be back for the Eastern final. Like, OK, he's going to come in and he's going to have something to prove. He's he's going to want to prove that he's not, you know, this washed up old guy because, you know, he's he still thinks he can go and he still says he still has got plenty in the tank. So I expected him to want to show up and, you know, he did average at best to tell you the truth and aj Ouellette, after after that monster game he had versus montreal at personal molson stadium a few weeks ago i was prepared for the worst with this guy and yeah he had a couple of really decent runs but nothing nothing truly outstanding to tell you the truth i mean it was just all what they were good at doing though was converting on second down like times where like where you really needed that stop or, and they just needed those two three extra yards to get the first down you give the ball to one of those two guys and you ask for three, they'd give you five, or they'd give you six, or ten even. I mean, they, they just... Yeah, I agree. I agree. By the way, speaking of, Toronto was nine of seven on second down conversions between one and three yards. Overall, they were 21 of 13, uh, 13 of 21 for the game, which is 62%. And it's something that we I've been, you know, really pushing on when it comes to this type of stats. I mean, the Owls did well, too. I mean, they were 12 of 20. They were 12 of 20. But the huge difference between that is, Cliff is that the Alouettes were 6 of 12 on second down conversions of 7 plus 7 or plus plus yards. Yeah, I mean you you want if you get to second and manageable, that's fine, but when you're looking at second and long, I mean championship teams will find a way to convert those and that's exactly what the Argos did and the Alouettes didn't do. And again, it's it was nobody's fault in particular, it just sometimes the plays just don't work. It just you know, you, you don't. You think you got that that down? You think you got the communication down, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Or sometimes the defense comes alive at the worst possible time for your for you, and that's really what it came down to. Like Toronto's defense was just suffocating, yeah. And they they didn't let, really let Montreal hang around. Like Montreal had to fight for everything they got. They, they, really, they yeah, yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. I mean, even it was even a down game for uh, um, for our return game. Because, yeah. you know, Chandler Worthy, you know, almost, I hope his knee's okay. He came back in the second half, but he's talking about the turf and him slipping on the turf. You know, yeah. Uh, again, it says everything that went well last week, just certain things just did not come to fruition this week. And, you know, and that, that was the problem. By the way, what, obviously with the change in because of the, uh, the, uh, of his sickness, but what, what do you think of the, of the playoff debut of Cole Speaker? It was it was a pleasant surprise, and uh, he put in a very solid effort as well. I think uh, I think the fan uh, the coaching staff had to remember how he did. Was it three weeks ago mm-hmm. in Toronto for the mm-hmm. last uh, regular season game? I was like, well, this guy obviously knows how to play at BMO Field. Uh, definitely deserves a shot, and you know, made the most of it. I mean, definitely put in a solid performance. Uh, you know, I think we would like to see a little bit more of him, but. Uh, I can't help but wonder too if Toronto was kind of scouting him actively just a little bit too. Like obviously you're going to pay attention to the Jake Winnickes, the Gino Lewis's, and Kayon Julian Grants, but I, I can't help but wonder if maybe this defense was just kind of eyeing this kid uh, wearing number eighty and it's like, oh, okay, you, you get a man on this guy because you let him loose and 
bad things will happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, this is where we got to give the props, man. I mean, Trevor Harris, 25 of 30, 83%, 362 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, Stanback led the team, 12 receptions. Sorry, 12 carries. 12 receptions would have been amazing, too. Uh, 84 yards and a touchdown, an average of seven. Uh, rookie Tyson Philpot, eight targets, eight receptions, leads the team with 127 yards, a touchdown, and a two-point convert. Gino Lewis, five receptions, 83 yards. Cole Speaker, four receptions, 66 yards. Uh, Jake Winicky, four receptions, 47. KJG, three for three for 34. And William Stanbeck, one for five. Um, again, it's Trevor, playoff Trevor Harris. Playoff Trevor Harris. And, you know, uh, he, it, it just goes to show with the stats. But, I mean, it, again, it's frustrating because it's, we just felt that the defense just was not there. And, unfortunately, in the fourth quarter, when the Owls are trying to do their stuff, it is... <laughs> You know, they give up the, the 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 touchdown literally at the buzzer of the third quarter. Kind of takes away all the momentum that they had. But then the Alouettes, they, the Alouettes have a horrible fourth quarter when it comes to penalties, and most of them were on the defense, and it just took them out. They weren't able to get the ball back at the end of the game and potentially, you know, potentially tie this thing up. But it, the fourth quarter was not very good for not only for the offense, but it just was not good for the defense. No, I mean, it, and at a certain point you've got to rely on this defense to get those stops. I mean, you don't have to, you know, cause a turnover necessarily or, you know, do like serious damage to the opposing team. It's just, all you got to do is just force the two and out once in a while. And that's, that was a big thing. Like they just couldn't do that. They were just, they maybe had what one or two at the most. I mean, every other drive, it felt like several plays and, almost always the opportunity to score. I mean, that's, I mean, this defense at, at times can bend and not break, but man, they, they just gave up too many big plays. Uh, lots of guys, unfortunately, were just getting burnt out there or just blown past. I mean, the, it, it was not their best day. And I, I can't say it's completely on the players. I can't say it's completely on the defensive coaches, but I mean, I think everybody's got to take their, ownership of this and say listen this was not the best game it was unfortunate like just a bad day at the office for one or two guys and you know just at the worst possible time and that's that's what makes it so much harder is that you don't want to lay blame necessarily i mean it's a you win as a team you lose as a team but i mean this this offense was doing everything they could to win this game mm-hmm. you could tell that the effort was there i'm not saying the effort wasn't there for the defense but i mean they just they really had no answer for mcleod bethel thompson and any of these offensive players, like they, nothing. And MBT had so much time in the pocket. Like he oh, had so much, the pass protection was phenomenal. I think he was touched twice. If I remember correctly after he'd thrown the pass. That was it. I think, it was, yeah. I think it was twice. I, you know, it's, you know, they, they talk about hurries and sacks and stuff like what hurries, what sacks, you know? No, he was like, you, you want to go in. Ideally you want to go in there and rattle his cage and his cage was not rattled in the slightest. I mean, he, he was just cool, calm, collected the whole time. I mean, yeah, he wasn't perfect, but I mean, he, I don't think he really truly made any mistakes. No. Like, uh, like uh, I won't say it wasn't a perfect game from him, but I mean, like pretty darn close. He was like just methodical in just the way he just, he just went about his business. And even if he didn't complete a pass, no problem. He leaned on his running backs and they would get the first down and reset everything. And just, it kept going and kept going. And this defense just, this Hollywood's defense just, had no answer like they were just like stymied by him yeah and, and, and the offense yeah the the, the past interference call and if he's lying uh about about mid uh, not really midway through the, the third yet as uh, so the fourth quarter after watching it again i can understand why it was called i mean he actually i think the actually fell or was tripping again it, might, it may have been the turf again and tugged on the the the, the receiver's jersey and I, I mean i understand why they called it could they have let it go go yes they could have, have easily have let it go because you know but and obviously unfor- the unfortunate face mask with the alouettes with the argos facing a second and long with about a minute and a half left uh, you know, Mike Moore unfortunately got that. It was an it was a it wasn't an egregious face mask. It was just he was going for the the uh, he was going for the tackle and his hand looked like his hand slipped. 
caught the face mask and what do you think obviously they're going to they're going to flag it every single time and that that was that was it that was that was where i think that's that because it gave them a first down and there was that allowed them to run the clock out yeah that would, like that would have that was the final straw like that was the straw that broke the camel's back right mm-hmm. there was that uh, unfortunate penalty and I, I know mike moore has to be kicking himself for that like is it, again obviously not intentional as you said not egregious at all it was just an unfortunate slip of the wrist and yeah just happened to end up with a handful of face masks it i mean it, it it's football it happens it's yeah. just it sucks because yes in the letter of the law that is 100 a penalty and there's really nothing you can do about it and yeah that essentially was what iced the alouettes for good like any sort of possible hope for a comeback or trying to force that two and out that i kept talking about them trying to force we I needed mean, yeah which we needed because trevor harris said in, in his uh his team ending uh, interviews in which by the way if you haven't watched go watch it on youtube there's so much golden stuff from gino uh to trevor uh, I'm trying to think uh, who else was there uh Stanback, all the all the name guys were that were there and it's you know trevor actually said and i actually agree with him on this one cliff trevor said he felt that the argos did not want them to get back on the field in order to give them a shot to try for that tying touchdown and and you know what toronto did what they needed to do with the help unfortunately from the alouette stevens see that's the thing it's and uh, i think trevor could have done it i easily think trevor could have done it trevor even said by the way that he he i don't know if he was joking but he actually he he said that if he had gotten the chance when he was going on the field he was going to say to danny danny when we score this touchdown we're going for two (laughs) that would have been ballsy to go to the gray cup if only it had the chance if only and that's the unfortunate thing. And, you know, I, I can appreciate that sort of bravado. I mean, and of course, you know, hindsight's always 20. It's easy to say that when you're, you know, on the losing end and, you know, doing the uh, the post, uh, post-season uh, wrap-up mm-hmm. to, to have that. But, yeah, you know. but again, great interviews. People, you, you got to go watch them. Go watch them. It's well worth the hour. Yeah, it's just, it really just came down to, unfortunately, like so many self-inflicted wounds. That's really what it was. Which has been the story of the season, unfortunately, when it was Danny and when it was, it wasn't with Danny, you know? And that's the thing. Like, yeah, coaching is always going to get blamed for the lack of discipline. And, you know, rightfully so. I mean, uh, you've got to have, you got to let your players know who's the boss. And again, when you, when you, when you got players that just, again, I can't say that any of these penalties were just, selfish penalties no, but they, they still happened yeah exactly i agree with you. that that's that's the hard part is that it happens in the heat of the moment things happen and yeah you get your hand caught in the cookie jar you're gonna get punished for it yeah. and that's really what it really what it came down to was the alouettes unfortunately they just got caught at the wrong possible time and just when you thought okay just give if they can just get that break just get that that one opportunity to make something happen yeah i have no doubt in my mind that trevor harris could have put something together and gotten this team you know get maybe get this game scored maybe get or get this game tied sorry and possibly go in overtime which we know anything can happen there but i mean like this is the, the defense unfortunately just didn't do any favors i mean that, that's the hard part that's that's more disappointing than anything else it's just a lot of this stuff was just self-inflicted could have easily i wouldn't say easily prevented but it could have been prevented let's put it that way yeah and it's easy to look back on it now and say, oh, well, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. Okay. Oh, you know, it happened. Yeah. You know? Oh, the what ifs. And we talked about this <laughs> on our, on our way back, uh, on our drive back. Oh, the what ifs, if Tyrell Richards had been there all year. Oh, the what ifs, if Greg Reed had not gotten and torn his ACL in the first week of the year. Oh, the what ifs, if Michael Wakefield had not had to be a game time decision because a, a game time, a healthy scratch because of, you know the it, with her uh, her Jamaila being sick and having to make that change because of the ratio. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I said it's all what ifs. It's all what ifs. And hopefully yeah. in twenty twenty three there will be a difference. We got so much to talk about this offseason. Oh my god, dude. Oh per, my god. Per, per, perhaps the biggest what if? What if the Alouettes could have traded for Jagera Davis at the deadline? <laughs> oh no, kidding, eh? What a dude. For those of you who don't know, by the way, this dude is going to his sixth straight Grey Cup. And even crazier. His sixth year in the league. I know. He, he he only knows how to play in a great cup game. Doesn't always win them. He's only going two. He's two of two for six. But still, if Jagger Davis is on your roster, you can 
pretty well pencil yourself in to play in the Grey Cup. You may not win, but you will at least play in the Grey Cup if Jagger Davis is on your roster. Yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't think of a better bargaining chip when a free agency rolls around for him. It's like, that's all I would say. I'm like, well, what can you offer? Hello, yeah. Yeah. Grey Cup. We got, I'm there. Or were you there last year? Because I was. It's gonna make, as I said, it's going to make for some great conversations for when, when we do our free agency uh, uh, show and stuff like that. By the way, we still have to give a shout out to Nick Usher, by the way. The guy, the dude bald and was able to come back. And it looks like, I don't know what his, his actual status is as we're, as we're taping this, but he looked like he actually may have tweaked the same knee. <sighs> Poor guy. I mean, this is a dude that just, as you said, he, he plays like his hair is on fire. He just gives everything, everything. And leaves it all out there on the football field. I mean, that's the kind of guy you want on this team. You you want him as part of that defensive line. He is just a straight-up baller. And so happy to see him back in the lineup and competing. Because you knew he wanted this just as bad as everybody else did. And then, to you know, as you said, it's, if he did tweak that knee again, that just sucks. Just flat-out sucks. And all yeah. we can hope for is a speedy recovery. And hopefully when June 2023 rolls around, wherever training camp is going to be in Quebec this year, I sincerely hope number 10 is there and raring to go, as always. Exactly. Um, lastly, for this week's episode, and yes, I did not say it, it, it said it's this week's episode. We still got a couple of shows to come up, obviously. We got the draw to come up uh, for the Delta Jacket, and we we have at least a couple more into us. We got some stories from Cliffy because he, him and his, his significant other are heading out to Regina tomorrow, uh, So as we're taping this. So um, it was announced today the CFL's all-star teams, the Owls only had one player, and it was well-deserved, obviously, with Gina Lewis making the uh, the CFL All-Star team. Um, su- surprised that we only have one guy on the All-Star team? A little bit, considering the, the talent that we do have. But, I mean, like you're talking about truly the best of the best. And I guess I'm a little surprised because, yeah, I definitely do think we have some very, very talented players. I mean, my goodness, we've got... Like we th- you think about the Alouettes that are up for awards at the CFL Awards later this week. Do you think those guys would have been on the, t- the All-Star team as well? I mean, if you're good enough to be nominated for a league award, one would think you'd be almost an instant All-Star. Because, I mean, like, they don't just hand these out like nothing. So, <laughs> I I don't know. I, I call it bias, you know, us being biased. But, yeah, I definitely think there could have been one or two more Alouettes for sure. I mean, that's not to take away anything from Gino because, let's face it, the guy is. No, no. But but you got to admit, though, too, one of the surprise ones, obviously, with uh, um, total brain freeze, um, you know, when it comes to special teams, I'm very surprised that, J- that J- Jagarian Grant got the nod. You know what I mean? Because. <laughs> well, he's, I, I, he, he's a straight up playmaker. There's no question. I know. And, I know. But. But still, I felt that we were we were in we should have at least been in the running for that. I mean, I'm looking at the what it is. I mean, only you know where we are. We're nine and nine. I understand that, and we only get one guy. Yeah, and didn't Ottawa have like three or four players? Uh, looking at it now, Ottawa. I mean, yes, Ottawa had one. Oh, uh, Malden. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But still, you know, it's. Then I stand corrected. But yes, I mean, yeah, I. I, it's really hard to believe just with the, the amount of playmakers on this team. And yeah, like I said, you want to call us homers, we're fine. You know, call us homers. But I mean, yeah. There, I expected, I, I expected I am, Worthy to get there. He, I mean, look, where he, he's nominated in the final for F's sake. <laughs> hey, watch, watch the harsh letters. <laughs> I mean, it, it just it, it floors me how guys who are nominated, you know, look at the people who are nominated and look how many made the All-Star team. Mm. You know? Nope. It is what it is, unfortunately. But you know, props to Gino. You know, he's oh, for definitely sure. well well deserved. I mean, he he definitely deserves all the flowers this year. There's no question. And I I, I sincerely hope that when it comes to the most outstanding player award being given out this year, like not to take away from Zach Caleros because he definitely had a great year as well. But he gets to go for his third Grey Cup ring. How about letting Gino have this one? Let, let him have the most outstanding player. What, what's it going to hurt? You know, I would give Calaris an MVP. I agree with you. I think Gino should be the MOP. Yeah. I really do. Okay. Yeah, but, un- un- unquestionably. And we got three, again, we had three three of them coming up. They're going to be tough. Uh, tough riding either way. I, you know, I still think that we, I would think, I would, I think it's the last time two out of three. It's going to be tough. I really do. It's it's just, but but either way, we'll talk about it in future show, in the future shows too, because I said we'll get all the, all the deets from Cliff uh, for next week's show. Um, 
also too, we're gonna. I'm gonna try to see if I can find if we can get, come up with who is when it comes to free agency because free agency this year, dude, is gonna be so different because it being the first year with the new CBA, the first year with guaranteed money contracts, and the first year with the designated Canadian. So I, I want to be able to make sure that we can talk about this because obviously we know that, that Gino and Trevor are free agents. And great story today by Herb Zerkowski, uh, you know, on Gino. Also, if you look at the actual, his interview, uh, you know, his postseason interview that's done on uh, on the, the Alouette's uh, Facebook page, you'll understand what we're talking about. I mean, give the guy the money. Give the guy the money. Keep him here. And, and off, hey, head coach, we got, dude, we're not done yet. We're not done. We're not even scratched the surface yet. We still got some more to talk about this season before we're done. Without question. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, in, it, it, let's, let's face it, Tim. This was a very interesting year to have to look back on. I mean, we think about from day one of training camp, that didn't quite happen, mm. all the way to this past Sunday. I mean, it was it was a ride, let me tell you. I mean, there was a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Uh, thought we were going to lose our lunch at one point, but I mean, <laughs> so many thrills. I mean, this really was a roller coaster year in and I guess you can take it as a good thing. I mean, it was it was not boring. Let's put it that way. No, it was not a so. boring year here in the five one four. No, no, it was not. And as as usual, we appreciate everybody. I mean, we it's record year for us here, and we're still continuing. Thirty four episodes in, thirty four more than a half a year. We're still we've been doing this, and we got a you know record number of shows in our seventh season. Um, so yeah. we will be back next week. We will be talking more about the Alouettes. Uh, we got a lot of things coming for the off season, uh, but mainly, first and foremost, Cliff, you, Manon, safe trip. Have fun in Regina. Bring us back some juicy details. We want to hear all about it. And uh, obviously, we'll, we'll talk to you next week about it. So again, I hope you have fun, buddy. Oh, man. I mean, I'm so excited to be able to go see, even though it, you know, I'm disappointed that the Yellowettes aren't going to be there competing for the Grey Cup. In a way, it's kind of a blessing in disguise in the sense that at least now I can go to Grey Cup week have a blast. There's so many great people that are going to be there and looking forward to reconnecting with people after the past couple of years being off. I mean, it's, you know, like, I I mean, Regina is just going to be a blast. It's hard to believe people are excited about going to Regina, especially in November <laughs> when it's going to be cold as balls. But no, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, Grey Cup week is always a blast. It's always an adventure for sure. Whether your team's in it or not, you're almost guaranteed to have a good time there. So, I'm excited. I'm excited to get out there. I'm excited to, you know, see a whole bunch of people. Uh, definitely, I'm going to be promoting the podcast as much as I can and uh, just letting people know, hey, if you haven't already, please check us out. Please subscribe. Please let us know. You know, check out the interviews that we've done this year. We've done a lot of interviews this year, Tim. Yeah, I wanted we, to count got them. To talk. I wanted to count them all and see how many we've done. It's, it's been, by the way, it's only supposed to be minus three on Sunday. You're getting away easy considering what it is right now. So minus well, three, minus three is not that bad, dude. Yeah, but it's, Getting there is, uh, you know, once we're there and then it's, uh, <laughs> you know, minus teens, like late teens, like, oh, Christ. Yeah, like, I know. Like, I, like, I'm dreading the idea that I have to pack my winter gear, like literally pack winter gear. It's yeah. Like, yeah, I know. But you know what? We'll do the thank yous for all the interviews that we'll, uh, at our, our season finale show. But again, Cliff, have fun, dude. Or, or I'm looking forward to speaking with you when you get back and uh, sharing your stories with everybody here on the pod. So um, again, we'll be back next week. Again, we, like I said, we have a couple more shows left in our in our broadcast season so uh we'll talk to you guys next week so if everybody here at the alouette's flight deck for cliffy d i'm tim capper we're on final approach thanks for listening Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.